You are listening to sermon audio from College Creek Church in Annapolis, Maryland. For more information on this local body of believers, visit us online at collegecreekchurch.org or in person every Sunday at 11 a.m. Well, if you were with us last week, you'll remember that we talked about this big vision, this big glorious vision that the Lord has, a vision of all sorts of people gathered together in the new heavens and the new earth where, where God dwells with us for eternity. And, and, we, and we said that this isn't just the dream of the Lord's, but this is his vision, his definite vision that he is plotting towards that he will certainly bring about. But one of the things that I said at the, at the end of our time is that God invites us then into the pursuit of this vision. But he more than just invites us into it, I think it's important that we remember that God welcomes us into this vision as well, into this kingdom that he has as well. Our God is a God of, of welcome. And so um, thinking about this, this eternal heavenly reality, Jesus then tells his disciples, he says, I go to prepare a place for you. I'm going to come back. I'm going to take you with me so that where I am, you can be as well. Jesus says not just, hey, there is a place for you, but he says, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. That is that the place that I have for you has been personally made just right, has been prepared exactly for you to welcome you in personally. And that's, that's what we're trying to do here as, as College Creek Church as well, right? That's why we've had these three weeks um, of our soft launch, right? So we're trying to get the place ready so that we can welcome people in next week on, on the 15th. Right? Our God is a God of welcome, and so we are called to be a people of welcome as well. Right? In fact, this, this call um, to welcome um, one another, it's, it's very explicit in Scripture. We're told to do this in Romans chapter 15 and, and verse 7. I just want to read um, that for us. I'm actually going to back up in the passage and read um, all the way from verse 1 of Romans 15. Um, so if you have your Bibles with you, you can turn um, to Romans 15. It'll be here on, on the screen as well. And if you picked up one of the Bibles on your, on your way in today, you'll find it on page 553. And, and listen, if you don't have um, a Bible of your own at home, please take one of those um, with you as, as our gift to you. Well, Romans chapter 15, starting in verse 1. He says, We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. So may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. So I want us to focus our attention on that last verse this morning. Welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. 
in this one verse, we're told what to do, how to do it, and why to do it. Welcome, like Christ, for God's glory. But we have to kind of understand the context that these words were written into. So the church in Rome is in the midst of tension and turmoil um, inside the church. Groups had arisen in the church that are fighting. So this infighting arguments arising over what food a person is allowed to eat or what holidays they're supposed to celebrate. Christians, all Christians, some Jewish, some Gentiles, all fighting with each other in conflict. And so this whole letter, Paul, is talking about those issues in light of the gospel. And then here we are at the very end of the letter, and he sort of sums it up this way. He says, welcome each other. Welcome like Christ for God's glory. Paul's not trying to get them to agree on everything. Instead, he kind of just says, hey, get over it. Uh, Be welcoming to one another. Uh, Right? Look at the way he gives that instruction in verse 1. He says, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. He's just spent the whole last chapter talking about this very particular dispute that they had over eating meat sacrificed to idols. And in that conversation, you can read it on on your own time, but in that conversation he says this, essentially, you can faithfully follow Jesus and eat whatever meat you want. But then he says, if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you're no longer walking in love. In, In other words, just because you're technically right does not mean that you can do whatever you want. In fact, you pointing out that you are technically right also makes you technically a jerk. It's not welcoming to the other person, right? Don't just be about, he says, don't just be about pleasing yourself. In fact, don't be about pleasing yourself at all, right? As Paul says in another letter to another church, count others as more significant than yourself. A few weeks ago, I got together for, for dinner with, with a group of friends. It had been a long time since we had all eaten together. So before um, we had this dinner, the host sent out a, a text to the group and was asking about dietary restrictions. And in that text, they noted that one of our friends at least used to be a vegan, and they wanted to know if they were still um, a vegan or not. It's a welcoming sort of thing to do, Right? And so here's how my friend responds. She says, I am still a vegan, but will happily eat fish if it makes for an easier menu. Her, her response is, is to say, I know that sometimes it's hard as the host to make a menu that's going to fit everybody, and so I'm just going to make a sacrifice for the group. But then here's how the host responded. I said, the easiest menus are ones that make my friends feel comfortable eating. Vegan options are no problem. This is an exchange between people who care for one another. They're considering each other more significant than themselves. Paul says we have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Our obligation is not to rightness, it's to welcome. So think about how my friends could have interacted with one another. The host could have said, Hey, we all know that there's nothing wrong with eating animal products, and pretty much everything we have here has them in it, so if you want a salad, bring your own. 
Right? And, and my other friend could have responded by saying, listen, consuming animal products is abusive. It's morally appalling. Not only do I refuse to eat it, but if it's even on the table, I'm not coming. Right? They both could have taken a stand for their rightness. They could have clung to their rightness. They might have even considered the other person to be weak or to be failing in their opinion. But Paul says to bear with one another to sacrifice for each other in order to offer welcome to each other. So so you think their opinion is wrong? Okay. You think they're weak for holding that opinion? Okay. You think they're failing that that's their opinion? Okay. Paul says, I hear you, and my instruction is this, bear with them. Don't seek to please yourself. Instead, please your neighbor for their good, to build them up. Welcome them like, like Christ did for God's glory. Right? And while the context of this passage in Romans is specifically um, Christians in the context of a church, the implication is far broader than that. To welcome like Christ must include the welcome of the outsider as well. Right, so perhaps the best way to understand what this verse is calling us to do is simply to ask, how has Christ welcomed us? So how has Christ welcomed us? We see here in, in, in our passage that he didn't look to please himself, but he took our reproach upon himself. But what does that, what does that mean? Well, this, this is the gospel. This is, this is the good news. Here's the way Ephesians 2 Um, says it. Starting in verse 12 of Ephesians 2, it says, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. We were separated, alienated, strangers, hopeless, far off, but now we're near. The welcome of Christ is that he has brought us near. How? By his blood. He didn't look to please himself. And and he didn't just bring us near, but he welcomed us. If you keep reading in that passage in Ephesians 2, a couple of verses later, verse 19, it says, So then... You are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. This is welcome. It's not just a a smile and a handshake. It's radical sacrifice. We don't just meet Jesus, but we are made to be part of the family. We go from being strangers to being brothers. And, And actually, even more than that, We weren't just strangers to God. We were enemies to God. This is what Romans 5 says. It says that while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. The relational move is far more dramatic than we perhaps imagine. The welcome is far more profound than we seem to expect even even from God. God doesn't welcome his children. He welcomes his enemies and he makes them his children. God welcomes the ones who tried to steal his kingdom, and he makes them heirs of the kingdom. He welcomes the one who murdered his son, and he makes them sons themselves. 
The welcome of God is far more profound than we ever imagine, which is good. It's, it's, it's awe-inspiring, in fact. And we read that verse, and we're like, this is great. But then we read in Romans 15, and we maybe are tempted to sort of backtrack on how good the welcome of Christ actually is, because while we are certainly fine being welcomed in that way, it is a far different thing to be told that we now must welcome others in that way as well. Right? Welcome like Christ, for God's glory. To welcome like Christ is to welcome not just strangers, but our enemies. It's to welcome them not just with a a smile and a handshake, but with the embrace of family. And so we, we welcome the person that we have everything in common with and the person that we share nothing with. We welcome the the wealthy and the poor, the housed and the houseless, the bathed and the unwashed, the Democrat, the Republican, the doctor and the high school dropout, the immigrant and the citizen, the person on drugs and the person who sells them drugs, the religious, the foul-mouthed, the righteous, the sexually immoral, the hurting, the thief, the greedy, the prideful, the depressed, the drunkard, the homosexual, the racist, the promiscuous and the prude, the strong and the weak, people of every race, and we welcome them not because they are right and frankly not because they are wrong but because they are loved we welcome them like Christ welcomed us with a sacrificial love where we do not look to please ourselves and if in welcoming them we find that they are entrenched in sin we remember the words of 1 Corinthians 6 where after listing All these ways that people might be unrighteous, he says, and such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Our hope for anyone who doesn't know Jesus is that they would come to know him, not that they would conform to our pattern of living or thinking, but that they would be radically transformed by the grace of Jesus. And so we welcome them into this place and into our lives and ultimately into the presence of God himself. We introduce them to Jesus because, um, as Peter says, who else would we go to? He has the words of eternal life. And so this radical welcome of enemies as family, it's not... Simply, I think sometimes we think it's just a New Testament thing. It's not simply a New Testament idea. This is the way that God has positioned his people all throughout Scripture. So listen to this from Leviticus 19. He says, When a a stranger sojourns with you in your land, you shall not do him wrong. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you. And you shall love him as yourself. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Think about the the context of the Old Testament. The people of God are the nation of Israel. And the nations in that time were constantly at war with each other. So much so that the Bible literally refers to spring as the time that kings go to war. We have football season. They had war season. Right? Other people, strangers in your land, they were enemies. 
They were to be looked upon with suspicion. And into that context, God says, hey, when you come across a stranger in your land, a sojourner, a foreigner, an immigrant, not only are you to not do harm to him, but you're to welcome him. Don't just treat him nicely. Treat him as a native among you. Treat him as a citizen. Love him as you love yourself. The person who may seem like your enemy is to be treated like family. We welcome like, like Christ did, for God's glory. And next week, we get a chance to do just that. Right? As we open our doors up to, for a public launch, we must be about welcome. And, and here's what that means. We need to be looking for people that we don't know and seeking to know them. Right? We need to be looking for people who are different than us and learning to love them. It sounds like one of our core values, doesn't it? Seeking to know, learning to love. That value is about welcome. It's about creating a place, an environment of welcome, like Christ did for God's glory. But how do we do that? Let me give you four things about welcoming um, that I think perhaps we often don't think of as part of our definition of welcome, but the sorts of things that Christ did in his welcome of us. First, welcome pursues. We often think that welcome sort of sits back, sort of sitting back and waiting for the other person to come to us. And when they get here, we'll welcome them, right? But Jesus pursued after us in order that he could welcome us into the family of God. We must be people of pursuit as well. Eyes open to the person who's not included, to the person who's without a friend, to the person who's new or uncomfortable so we can pursue after them, to pursue like Christ. But we have to be willing even to pursue them into their world. right? As, as Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians, I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in, in its blessings. Right? One of the temptations that the church has is to sort of sit back and wait for people to show up at our door so that we can welcome them into our safe and comfortable environment, our controlled environment that we've created. Right? But true welcome, true welcome goes out the door it goes into homes and into spaces that are not controlled and certainly are not controlled by us. But that's the welcome of Christ. He pursued us by coming into a world of sin and utter chaos in order to welcome us into his kingdom. But Christ didn't stop simply at pursuing us on, on our turf, but he then sacrificed himself for us, right? True welcome is sacrificial. We've talked sort of a lot about that already, so I don't belabor the point, but um, just know this, the welcome like Christ, we must be sacrificial. We must lay down our own expectations, our own desires, right? Sometimes a desired evening is going to be disturbed by an unexpected house guest, Right? Perhaps a conversation is going to get hijacked by a person who just needs someone to listen to them. Right? There are so many ways, there's so many things that this could look like, but the point is simple, that to welcome someone truly is to be willing to lay down our own desires to make sure that they are cared for. Thirdly, welcome invites deeper. 
We don't just stand at the door and have a conversation. Welcome invites people into the living room, right? Into the kitchen table. Welcome in, in this place doesn't just show a person a place to sit, but it longs to hear their story. True welcome doesn't just say, hey, see you next Sunday. It says, hey, can we get together this week? Maybe talk some more. True welcome says, hey, why don't you come over to our place for, for dinner tomorrow? True welcome invites people into deeper relationship. True welcome here might be to say to someone, hey, we have these one-on-one reading plans. We get together and talk about what Scripture's teaching us. You want to do that together? We could do that together. Right? We invite people further in. One of, the ways, one of the ways we invite people deeper is we offer to share first. We don't just invite ourselves deeper into their lives, but we invite them deeper into ours. We take steps of deeper trust and honesty in hopes that they might as well. Right? And as we share our stories first, we're letting people know, hey, this is a place where broken and sinful and hurting people are welcome. That's the sort of welcome that Jesus offers, a welcome that invites deeper each day, right? Even today, Christ is inviting you deeper in relationship with him. The welcome of Christ invites us deeper. Our welcome should do the same. And finally, the welcome of Christ lasts. He keeps welcoming us back. He keeps pursuing. He keeps inviting us deeper. That's real welcome. It's the welcome that we need to have for others. A welcome that gets stood up and still tries again. A welcome that keeps inviting no matter how many times a person says no. Right? You know people who maybe only come around when they need something from you? Sometimes we just get so frustrated at that. But the reality is, right, many of us have either have treated or still treat God like that often. But you know what? Every time you show up to God, he welcomes you. It's that person in your life who only shows up when they need something. Instead of being frustrated by that, welcome that opportunity. Be thankful. Welcome this opportunity to welcome them again. And here's what 1 Peter 4, 8 says. It says, above all, keep loving one another earnestly. Since love covers a multitude of sins, keep loving, keep welcoming. Don't just love one another, but keep loving one another because love covers a multitude of sins. Has a person sinned against you? Keep loving them because love covers sin. Has a person responded poorly when you invited them or welcomed them? Okay, keep welcoming them. Welcome like Christ for God's glory. And that's the reason, for God's glory. We follow in the footsteps of our God of welcome, not for our sake or even for the sake of those who we are welcoming, but for the glory of God, that his name would be lifted high. We welcome like Christ, not so they would see us, but so they would see Christ in us. God is glorified by people being brought into his family. It's right here in our passage, Romans 15, verses 5 and 6. He says, 
May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We rely on God for the endurance that it takes to press in and to keep welcoming people, but we do that so that we can then all worship him together. We desire to see people we are radically different from lifting up one voice together in worship of God. We welcome one another because God is glorified in it. We love one another because God is glorified in it. Now, I chose to have this topic, this topic of welcome, to be our discussion today because we launch next week. And it seemed like a good idea before we launch to talk about welcome, but here's the thing, we would be misguided to think that we only have to think about this for one week, right? If our God receives glory when we welcome well, then every day of our lives must be lived in just generous, open-handed welcome. Welcome like the welcome that we have found in Christ, So welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Let's pray. God, we we thank you that you are a God of welcome. That when we were your enemies, you welcomed us as your children. And so, Father, help us to welcome like Christ. Help us to lay down our own desires and to sacrificially love others. Give us the endurance to continue in welcome even when rejected. And we thank you. We thank you for persisting in your love and welcome of us even when we rejected you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.